The Silly Goose Gang Podcast. In episode 78 of the Silly Goose Gang Podcast, and it's a real pleasure to be joined today uh, by Hannah Cunliffe. So Hannah, thanks very much for joining us today. Of course, thanks for having me. Um, unintentionally, we have yourself on for International Women's Day. That's actually quite a nice coincidence. That was not planned. Right, and I have my Instagram deactivated, so I wasn't aware it was International Women's Day until my friend texted me, so it, it worked out perfect. <laughs> just, did, did you say it got deactivated or you deactivated your Instagram there? I deactivated it. Deactivated, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that Are you just fed up with social media or? Yeah, I feel like... Um, I feel like I need to focus and being on social media and just it can be distracting, especially if you're like, you know, going up and swiping up a lot and or just opening your apps like it, it can become habit. And um, and I just feel like just like with the war and just everything going on, it's just I need a break. And honestly, I've been a lot um, mentally. I've been a lot clearer since I've deactivated it. So, yeah, just gonna, um, I, I can't even say this. I just a couple of days ago, like just to stop listening to anything to do with the war. I'm just like, I cannot, oh my God, this is so right? fucking mentally taxing. Like all day. <laughs> like first it was COVID and then now the war. Yeah. <laughs> Can we get a break? <laughs> we've, had, we've had it even more interesting because in Scotland, we also had Brexit, which was Britain exiting the European Union. And before that, we had Scottish independence. So we seem to have had about six and a half years of just constant us versus them. You're on whatever yeah. the topic might be, yeah. So you're right, it does get it does get super tiring. Super tiring. But yeah. that's cool. That is yeah, cool. it definitely does. So you just came back from a training session. Yep. <laughs> weights had, had some weights, had some training beforehand. It, today was kind of a light day, but yeah, just um okay. I left my uh current group in um in the process of getting another group right now. So that's another reason why I thought a social media break would be good. Okay. So what how, how, what's a light training day look like for a superhuman athlete? <laughs> um, so, I mean, today it was just, uh, yeah, just a tempo day. So it's just, we go like 75% pace and it's just, I did five 180s, 180 meters. Uh, I did some drills, active dynamics, and then that was it. So that was like a pretty light day, like, so it probably took me like an hour, 15 minutes, whereas like some other days it can go from two hours to three hours on the track. Mm. And then um, I had a, a nice and easy weight room as well. That only took me about 40 or 50 minutes to an hour. Yeah. So yeah. It's, um, for me, it was a light day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I used to watch, um, I used to train um, at a, an athletic center near us and some of the fastest guys over here. It was really interesting to watch them how thorough they were just in warm-ups and straight and everything getting everything in, in place before they even started to move quickly it was really it was, it was something that i was always really interested in um you know and those were some of them were kind of lower level people so it's always interesting to, to speak to somebody who's like pretty fucking quick <laughs> right yeah i know because i feel like a lot of people just think like we just run and that's all we do and it's like yeah. way more complex and like detailed than that so I think when people actually get to see it in person or you know watch a whole training session they're just like oh okay it, it, you know it's a little more yeah. intriguing makes more sense we're not just running laps <laughs> yeah I know um, a previous guest of ours a friend uh, Ian Mackey was a Atlanta 96 semi-finalist in the, the 100 meters so okay uh, Ian's a friend so I know what he used to do it's some insane amounts of work so the track part was yeah. like only a small part of it like mobility and strength work and this like his muscle, yep. muscle endurance stuff was, was crazy so like you say it's funny because you know when you run people just think yeah you just run Not you're just people. running yeah you just run <laughs> it's, you know, it's the same with cycling or swimming and um you know people, yeah, you're just doing this I mean yes Funnily enough, we were talking about this just before we, we spoke to you. Um, I was getting a, because you know, I've got an iron distance triathlon to do this year, and I was getting fitted for a bike, my, my triathlon bike, I was getting fitted for it. And the details that we go into, like in terms of positioning, and bike. like, holy shit, like, <laughs> it, it's insane. So it's quite, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me, um, these 
I suppose you have to be kind of like a bit of a geek, but um, it's super interesting to know about like all the little details. Um, Talking about the idea that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, we were talking about the idea of marginal gains, you know, those tiny little fractions adding up over a season. So that come, you know, pack 10, pack 12, (laughs) whatever version you ran in the championships at the end, you're you're peaking for that for Chris for his triathlon, for you for your season. Those little gains over the course add up that you don't see initially until at the end of the season you compare and contrast. And suddenly you're like, damn, that was a massive improvement. No, and that's true because, like, at the professional level, we're all talented at this point. So it is – it's all about the little details, like that 1% that you can get, you know. So, yeah, you got to definitely – We're talking while laughing because um, I I was talking about being on the 60-meter track indoors. And, um, you know, 60 meters is a a speciality of yours. And I I was – you know, I, I, you know, tied myself a few times – and I was looking at my times going, that seems fast. <laughs> so, you know, I Googled like some fast 60 meters indoors times. And I'm like, like, I'm not that far behind like the best guys in the world until you're on an actual track with somebody where you go, oh, like two seconds over that distance is like <laughs> yeah. nowhere. It's like lead boots on. It's, it's, it was hilarious. It was that, like for a split second, I was kind of like, I think I might be really fast. And then, and then you know, you're on the track for like guys like Ian Mackey, and you're like, oh my god, I am so slow, it's ridiculous. No, I know, I was because you know, I left my group, so I'm training by myself. And I told you know, one of my mentors, I was like, look, I gotta see where I'm at because I can feel like I'm flying right now by myself. But as soon as you go up next to somebody, like, <laughs> yeah. it'll be a huge difference. But like you said, two seconds, you know, not a lot of people think, but really, in like sprints it's it's a tenth they go down to the thousandth the hundredth of a second then thousandth of a second so it's like any that littlest detail matters and it's like like you said it's everything the little details you got to have your mental focus right like it's it's a lot I feel like like track doesn't get a lot of uh respect because people don't know like it's like mentally and physically like exhausting almost (laughs) especially because like say both that marginal gains and the margin for error you yeah. know if you, if you stumble on a marathon you know you've got 26 miles to make that quick stumble I've, I've done that i never made it back up. well this is back, back in sometimes after as well but <laughs> i just kept stumbling if you if you stumble coming out of tracks i used to hurdle many many years ago and yeah. you know you clip that first that first set and everything just chains on from there and suddenly you're falling over the third or the fourth you know yeah. the flight you, you're gone so with sprint, especially over the, the 60 meters, your margin for error must be pretty much zero. You know, if you don't get your blocks right, your start right, you're struggling from, you know, the B of the bang is, as the infamous saying goes, you're, you're struggling from then on. No, exactly. Because if, you know, if you mess up your start in a 60, I mean, basically you're accelerating and you got about 20 meters to run, if that. So it's like, yeah. you mess that up. Yeah, you're going to have to get... <laughs> get your legs turning to catch up to everybody so yeah, yeah. especially that, in the shorter yeah 60 you have less was, room um, for error that was one of the, the coolest things that i was ever told when i was sprinting um there was another guy that i know and he you know he was explaining to me about how you can it, when you're using blocks how you explode out and there's a point where you have to sort of like rotate hips and say so it's like the point where you can't accelerate anymore it's simple, i was like like this time i was boxing at the time so it was like an average of boxing at the time right and I had always just been told to like just run. And then you speak right. something and you're like, holy shit. Like all these tight, it's amazing. So um I think you're what you're like are you just under eleven seconds for a hundred? Yeah, my fastest is ten ninety-nine. So literally right under. <laughs> so yeah, but it's still under. It's so fast. Oh, I got it. <laughs> yeah, I that sub eleven. It's so there. fast. Sub eleven. Seven oh seven seven point oh seven sixty as well. Yep, in the 60. Yep. That's so fast. Yeah, I'm That's trying to get I'm, I want to get to I want to get under seven in the 60. That's one of my goals before I retire. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's so fast. So is it a, have you never fancied have you, have you ever done any longer stuff? Um the longest I've done is the 400. And I've and I long jumped, but I could never go over it. I mean you know, if someone like talked me into it, like, hey, you could, you know, be top 
in the 800 or something or the 400, you know, maybe, but, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm a sprinter. I've been a sprinter my whole life. Um, <laughs> and I always felt like growing up, I'd go into the check-in, you know, at track meets with my dad. Cause he was my coach. And, um, you know, they, they'd be like, Oh, the, the 3000 or the mile is not for another three hours. And I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm here for the sprints. And they'd be like, Oh, okay. You know, they'd like check us in. Like <laughs> everyone thought that I was coming to check in and run the, run the distance. But yeah, I've been sprinting. I think it was, uh, my dad put me in my first team when I was eight. So I think ever since then, and I, I started, I did the 400 a little bit, um, like fifth grade, I think. So when I was around 10 and then the last time I did it was, um, seventh grade. So I was like 13 or 14. And then after that, I was like, yeah, I'm 100, 260. That's it. <laughs> but 800, I always said 800. Like I would genuinely, I would rather run a marathon than do like 800 repeats. Like it is, that is the worst <laughs> form of torture. Like if you're, if you're doing something and it's like, you know, try and keep within 10% of your first time. It's just like, this is, I'd rather run a marathon. It's fucking That's awful. what I'm saying. It's a sprint now. Like the 800, like people used to think, oh, the four, but no, the 800, I feel like it's a sprint. Like they are, they're fast and they're keeping that pace yeah. <laughs> and so, then accelerating at the end. <laughs> so was your, um, was your dad a runner as well? He did a long jump at Washington State University. Mm, okay. Okay. So yeah, he did a little long jump there and then um, left, and he's been coaching. Okay. It's and he was a, he did some software work as well. Yeah, still coaching. Yep, still coaching. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So the other thing that you're um, highly involved in is the anti child trafficking. Not child trafficking. As Ali told somebody this today. Indeed. Is, uh, is that high? Is that called? Because uh, I almost wondered that exactly the same. When you feel yourself stumbling, you go, yeah, she's highly involved in child trafficking. No, child no, not child trafficking. trafficking. Fighting against the child trafficking. Or raising know, awareness of it. I don't know how you word it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you word it. Yeah, I don't know how you word that. That's actually, that's one of those. And that's actually, um, uh, it's, it's, I guess it's the same, but slightly different just now, because Cade Velasquez is now on a murder charge for shooting somebody, being molesting his kid. And you're like, why, why are you not giving them a medal? Like, I don't understand. Do you know, it's crazy. Um, so I don't know how that's going to play out. That's no. it's LA and they're yeah. kind of, they've refused bail. I saw that this morning, they refused bail on them. Um, but again, I think it's one of those things as we're going on to, and it's quite a serious topic. I know we're kind of laughing there at the, the introduction bit, but it is a serious topic. And I genuinely think, <coughs> you know, there's, this is going to sound weird, but there's some crimes that people commit and people go, nah, okay. You know, if people shoplift because they've got no money and they're stealing food and, you know, basic necessities, I think a lot of people would go, well, they're but for the grace of God. You know, that's right. uh, so what it is. Child trafficking, child exploitation, anything along those lines. It's just, I, I don't know there's many people that go, well, you know, in some circumstances, I think it's very much, a, yeah. yeah, unless you're involved in it, I suppose, but for the normal humans that aren't, as opposed to the assholes that are, it's very much just a no. Do not pass go, do not collect 200 pounds. This is a hard line in the sand, the hell that you're willing to die on, kind of. Absolutely. Kind of so, what was the, you know, how do you get involved in that? How do you, is it something like, what, what's, is it something that you're just passionate um, about? Or? So, I, I've been in a lot of systems myself, and I've like, I've had friends who were in like foster care, um, and, it's abusive, you know, like foster care and stuff like that. It, it's, you know, it's supposed to help the kids, but majority of the time, those people that are fostering them just want the money. And like, I know a girl, um, you know, I, I'd call her a sister to this day. We don't really keep in touch anymore, but she lived with my family for a little bit. And the stuff that she told me that was going on there, like she had a shower time limit of three minutes and, um, you know, lights had to be out at eight o'clock. They couldn't go get snacks past a certain hour. Well, yeah, because they're taking in their checks and, you know, they're giving them the minimum that they can so they can profit. And I'm seeing that in a lot of, you know, it could be collegiate, you know, in collegiate systems, foster care systems. So I'm seeing like, there's a lot more child abuse um, that than we know. And like, even personally myself, I, uh, 
you know, I had an experience with a chiropractor when I was younger and, um, and I'm like, and my parents were around. So I'm like, if this is happening to me, you know, my parents are right there in the next room. I can't even imagine what's happening to kids like, you know, who aren't documented or, you know, who are in the foster care system, stuff like that. So, and I think, um, I think to, you know, anyone under the age, even 18, I feel like if you're abusing them or using them in some type of way, like it's inhumane, you know what I mean? And like your heart, there's something wrong with your heart. So I just like, I guess I just went down a rabbit hole and I started looking up numbers because we hear like, at least in the U S we think, okay, there's child trafficking or sex trafficking, but we don't think it's as serious as what, what it is. And when you start reading up stories on like people in Congress, people who work for the FBI, CIA, and they're giving you like real accounts and it's on YouTube or, you know, government official documents and they're giving real life accounts of what's going on. And I feel like people in the U.S. just think, oh, it doesn't happen here. So we're fine. It it happens overseas. And it's like, no, it happens right here, like right under our nose. And it's way like it's way bigger than what we think. And I think 2020, like, I kind of tried to stay away from conspiracies and stuff for a little while, because sometimes, you know, it can get you to overthink and, you know, just like, dang, just realize like the world that we live in is actually a lot like darker and evil than what we think. Um, but 2020, it's like something just hit me. And I was like, nah, I, I, I have to speak out about this. Like, I have a platform and I should use it like okay that's good that I'm using it for track and inspiring people in that way but I felt I just felt needed to yeah start speaking up about it just from like personal experience people around me and that I feel like it happens here way more than what they they tell us and so I guess that's yeah that's it's one of those things where you you feel awkward and I, and I don't know why like I'm speaking out about it you know like me and, yeah. Ali, me, me and Ali, you know, we joke about a lot of things and stuff when you go here, but uh, like, like abusing children, one of those things you're like, no, that's that's a hell that I'm prepared to die on. Yeah. You're like, yeah. that's fucking wrong, you know. And and you know, like I'm saying, you know, another talk about like Joe Rogan was saying that you know he just wishes it came and just beat the guy to death rather than shoot him. <laughs> that's his only concern, like because that's exactly what somebody like that deserves. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those, but I, I don't know why. I don't know why it's something that, you know, even, you know, probably we would say, you know, I feel a bit awkward speaking about it. And I don't know if it's because people do think this happens in a far away land, but it does happen in, you know, every city, town, village. Yeah. You know, worldwide. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know why we would feel kind of awkward about it. No. I mean, it's not on the news as much. We only see like, you know, you'll see a a missing child. So you only think that it happens because I feel like here, I don't know, our laws, they protect child molesters more than they do drug dealers. I don't know what it is where, um, where you guys are. I don't know if it's the same way, but here, I mean, you can get locked up for having, you know, uh, marijuana or cocaine longer than you could for molesting a child. And so it's like, make it make sense. You know what I mean? So are these laws that are given to us, are they for our benefit or are they for someone else's yeah, at the end of the day? No, sorry, Tana, jumping in. But yeah, we've had, again, in Britain, or, or England more specifically, but Britain as a whole, we've had a lot of historic cases that have came to light, both within the care system, because we had a lot of religious convent type schools slash foster homes that unmarried single mothers would have a child and would be forced by the church to give them up, particularly in Scotland and Northern and, and Ireland, because they, yeah. are, they still are very yeah, religious yeah, yeah, countries. Yeah. So if you were an unma- unmarried mother and you became pregnant, what often happened was you would disappear to a relatives for several weeks. And then basically, you know, as the pregnancy was starting to show, you would deliver the baby and you would never see it. The, the midwife would take it and basically hand it to this convent school. And they would take the children, raise it within this convent system, exactly as you were sort of describing. Yeah. And then there was another vein to it where there was a very famous, I suppose infamous now, but famous child. He was a children's entertainer uh, called Jimmy Savile. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he had a TV show in the 70s and 80s in Britain, probably up into the early 90s. And his show was called Jim Will Fix It. 
And what he basically used to do was get kids onto his show and they would write in and say, Dear Jim, I'm a love, I'm a massive fan of athletics. I'd like to meet Hannah Cunliffe. And he would arrange for them to come and meet you, but he would be there as well. And it came out after they died that it was not just a child molester, but it was a necrophiliac. And they'd given him access to Stoke Mandeville Hospital because he had raised so much money for charity. Everyone turned a blind eye. But someone gave him a key to the morgue. Why the fuck would you want a key to the morgue? And he was basically abusing the dead bodies. The BBC and the BBC, the British. And now this gets worse. This, the, the, we're we're starting, now we're starting to fucking roll. <laughs> the guy, the guy who is now the leader of the opposition in Westminster, Sir, Sir Pierce Starmer, was the guy who investigated him and looked into it. Went, I don't see any reason to prosecute. Of and course. Goes, what the fuck? So yeah. that. What, what do you think in that in instance? Like, do you think someone is like he got paid off or he's doing it himself to where he has or what? I think the second case, again, just for the purposes of the tape and any libel, we're not seeing Keir Starmer as a kiddie fiddler, but on my basis of, and again, there's a lot of history tied in with Jimmy Savile was very highly linked into the Conservative Party, which are currently in power in the UK. They're kind of broadly similar, I guess, to the Republican Party. Similar-ish. Similar as to that kind of side of things. But they had a couple of MPs that for years were rumoured to be taking homeless young boys off the streets, taking them in boats uh, off the Isle of Wight into international waters with all their paedophile friends, drugging, abusing, and then dumping the bodies in international water. And of course, because they're homeless, vagrant kids, as they were known at the time, police report comes in, file, and Jimmy Savile was involved in that whole thing. So again, was the pressure from above? Almost certainly. Is there a connection with the fact that Keir Starmer was the chief of the prosecution service and is now the head of essentially the Democrat party over here? Well, back. Do you know what I mean? But again, if you add the dots, you don't want to say yes, but you can't also say no. You kind of go, well, you know, if you lay down the dog, you're going to get fleas, as the old saying goes. I mean, because like you said earlier, like, it should be a, a no-brainer. If a kid's getting abused, who, like, why are we just giving them a slap on the wrist? Yeah. Like, it's a child. At that point, they can't, you know, they can't do anything. Like, it's just, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, <laughs> yeah, it amazes me, like, just even the whole Epstein case. I know you yeah. guys caught up on that. Just, yeah. I mean, in uh, the Prince, just you know, he paid off. He settled with um, was, um uh, Virginia Guthrie. Yep. yep. There was a lot of people um, sharing memes about that. You know, like you know, Prince Andrew's. You know, he's just handed out twelve million dollars to people he's never met. It's amazing. Like you, 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 you've stood up in court and like uh, you know said. Yeah, I don't, I've never met this woman. Yeah. Why, why did you give her millions of pounds? You, you, you just get, you know, the picture of um, at the Queen's Lodge. That was at like Barmoller at the Queen's Bar Lodge. Was... The, the royal residence in Scotland. And there's pictures of Geoffrey uh, Epstein and um, Ghislaine Maxwell and the Queen's Lodge. You go, what the fuck? Right. But, but Andrew didn't know them at all well, but well enough to invite them to the Queen's house. Like, I'm sure, do you know what I mean? The people that you invite to your house, I would imagine you know quite well. You don't just randomly. And when it's the and when it's the queen, you imagine there's another level. Do you know what I mean? I would imagine there's some, there's some people. Anyone in, like, no. <laughs> it's yeah. the fucking queen. <laughs> yeah, I imagine there's some people. Yeah. That's why I don't, like, if people try to argue with me about it, because 2020, I was getting a lot of nasty messages and stuff when I was speaking out about <laughs> it. But, um, if they try to argue it, like, it, it's... At this point, if you're going to believe the lies, like you're just you're fine with being conditioned and, and you don't want to know the truth because it's literally in our face, like it's in our face. It's with, you know, it's in, within the government. It's elites. It's uh, it's everywhere. It could be police officers like you just never know now, like coaches like. And as you see, a lot of these people in the name of, you know, charities or foundations are trying to help kids. No, you're abusing kids. Yeah. And it happens on like a wide scale, like it's daycare, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah. I said, foster care. It could be, um, you know, high schools, middle schools, police systems, like people just think, oh, okay, like, and, and, I, and I think this is what frustrates me the most is if somebody's of high status, like you just automatically trust them 
with your yeah. kid. And it's like, no, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Bill, uh, Bill Gates wife came out and said part of their divorce was because of, he was so close with Epstein and I didn't get yeah. to, my friend just sent me the whole article and I didn't get to read the whole thing, but I was just like, yeah. you know, and this guy's a software, you know, software engineer. And then we're trusting him with medical advice. Yeah. Like, what are we going to use common sense? You know, no? I think, I think if, um, I think once you, once you fly with somebody after they've been convicted of child sex offenses, I think it's safe to say that that person's a fucking piece of shit. I, I, I always say doing that, I would give someone potentially a pass for one flight. And as much as it, and again, before this things like I'm advocating for it, but Just say, let's say, this? you know, because Epstein was, as you were saying, Hannah, very influential, very well connected, yep. you know, and one with like Harvey Weinstein, you know, they were all flying about. So if you're like a young aspiring actor, let's say you get invited a chance to go to this tropical island and you don't know all the rumours. So you fly out to the island, you get there and you go, holy shit, how quickly can I get back off this island? How and, can you I get yeah. and you never go back. Okay, Bill Gates went back. When you appear 35 <laughs> times in the flight manifestos, then you're a fucking scumbag. That's does what I'm that, saying. Does that, does that make going, sense? Yeah, if you're going multiple times, yeah, we could give, you know, like some people, they took pictures with him. They probably didn't know. So we can't yeah. assume that, you know, all the actors and actresses that are around him, that they were aware. But once, uh, once, once you see it, you know, two, three, four, five, six times, like it's not an accident mm. at this point, like. Yeah, I don't even know because if you live in that world, it's like the you know the Harvey Weinstein thing. Like, there's no way in that industry there wasn't rumors. No, you know, as that was with Jimmy Savile. There's no way. Like, I don't know if um, do you know who the Sex Pistols are? The punk band from the seventies. What would you say? What can you repeat the, that? The Sex Pistols. Do you know who the Sex Pistols are? A punk band. Oh, I didn't hear about 19, that. So there were nineteen um, seventies punk band, the kind of the the the, the you know British band who sort of made punk enormous over here and um the singer the lead singer uh johnny rotten did an interview on bbc in like 1977 and he said then you know he was talking about they were talking about the bbc and you know he had said kind of what it was but you know yeah i've heard rumors about jimmy savile i've heard rumors about him doing bad things and they banned him from appearing yeah. on the bbc he was banned and you know it wasn't until like 2016 that they did another interview with him and it's like yeah everybody knew everybody knew yeah and all, all the governors of the bbc again going back to the kind of people at the top were either involved or knew about it and turned a blind eye so it's, it's like there's no way that people are anywhere around about epstein or weinstein uh there's no way they, they didn't know no it's impossible yeah because if something happens like um, like I don't know exactly where you stay, but you know, like in a, a small villages like where we are, if something happens, the little whispers start, and you you start hearing things, and you go, oh, okay. So when it's something like that to that size, you go, there's no way people people don't know. There's just no way, uh, yeah. which makes it worse, you know. So people, you know, me and Ali send things to each other all the time, and it's you know about whether it's some crazy um, professor and a you know some super liberal um, college in America, and they're like, you know, it's not, is it really a bad thing if an adult sleeps with a 12 year old? You're like, yes! You yeah. send me things all the time. It's like, how about you just fucking leave kids alone? Yeah. Like, let yeah. the kids go play. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I've, I've got, I've got three, three kids, two boys that are 18 and 19, but I have a 12 year old daughter. And do you know what I mean? Like you look at my daughter and you go, I'd quite halfway murder someone <laughs> do you know what i mean if that happened and, and they're tweeting things out like that saying that you know there was a case in britain where um a, you know a couple of people were trying to get the age of consent lord from 16 in, in britain getting lord from 16 down to 12 because you know it, it, the argument was at the moment technically speaking if i'm if i was 16 and slept with my 15 year old girlfriend I could get done for statutory rape because she's under 16, even though there's only maybe a month age difference between us. So they're like, so if we lower the age to 12, it minimizes that problem. And you go, yeah, but it creates a big fucking problem on the back end. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's how they're, that's that's how they're pitching the argument. Yeah, that's <laughs> 12. No, no. 
I mean, I, I really think 18, like, I don't care. 16 is even really, it should be 20. Like we're kids aren't out the house. They like, you have to figure out, you know, your life, you have to piece things together. Like I, there, I have seen so many instances of people, you know, coaches or doctors or adults, businessmen, grooming kids acting like, okay, yeah, we're going to help you. And they're grooming them, you know, to try and persuade them to, to get with them or to make them comfortable with them. Like it's sick. And it's like, unless you have a, a strong personality or like, you know, you know, this is wrong. Like a lot of people, they don't expect it to happen, especially if you're comfortable with the person. So it's like, you know, if, if you think someone who's damn near like your uncle or your grandpa, that's what you consider them or a mentor. And they come up and, you know, touch you on your side. You're just like, at that point, you know what I mean? At that point, you're, you you don't know what you're kind of in shock. You don't know what to do. So yeah, if you lower that to under 18 or 16, 12, like that's ridiculous. (laughs) I don't think that's humane at like, no, a 12 year old, like they're taught to comply with adults. So how are they, you know what I mean? If a, if their uncle or someone touches them inappropriately, what are they, how are they supposed to speak up in that situation? We were talking about, were we talking about this in the gym just the other day about, um, about the, the amount of kind of young Muslim girls that go missing in the UK and they get shipped back to Pakistan as child brides, as child brides, like 12 year olds. Ten-year-olds, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. real—that's a real thing. Yeah, and because it's a uh, because it's an issue of you know race or religion, nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody. So they keep it under the rug. They just keep that under the rug. Yeah, that is not talked about at all. I'm like completely on that is taboo. You will not bring that up. But that's a real thing. Yeah, they just so they, yeah, they and then get... you sweep it under, and then everybody, you know, these kids, they wonder why these kids have mental health issues. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you keep someone around, they're an abuser, or and they had to deal with that their whole life, and then they think it's normal, they're gonna go get abused by someone else next. You know, well, I mean, that's, that's, that's that, that within that sort of um, community is that's family doing that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what makes it worse. Eh? That's what makes it worse. You know, they'll, they'll get told that they're going on holiday to visit relatives. So they're like, oh, you know, exciting, maybe for the first time, because they're, they're, they're very often born in the UK, so they've never been to, you know, their their home country for whatever, you know, okay. India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, wherever. So we're going to go back and we're going to visit the old country. You know, you get to meet your grand that we've talked about, your great uncle that we've talked about. And then suddenly they turn up and they go, and by the way, this is your cousin and you're about to marry them and you're 26. Yeah. But it's, but it's a good fit for the family, so it's all good. That is a real thing. I don't and know that, that... Yeah, good yeah. fit for the family. What about for the individual? Mm. You know? Like, yeah. and it's selfish sometimes, but you got to feel like people have to start thinking about themselves and for themselves. Like, you know, if you feel like something's wrong, and your family is, you know, like, I know a few people, they, they're they around a family that, you know, they've been abused in. And I'm like, it's not helping you in any way. Like, because most of the time, these people cope with alcohol or drugs, yeah. especially if they have to be around their abuser. <clears throat> yeah, so it's like, funnily enough, though, Hannah, you know, I was talking to Ali about this, um, you know, earlier on. And we're talking about, you know, something that I had known before. And it's like, if you're very, and this happened to me, once you're very close to somebody, you kind of stop seeing the bullshit and all the shit that comes with them. And you just kind of see them for, you know, whether they're my friend or whatever. It's not until you can step back and go, holy shit, why was that so stupid? Yeah. So it'd be the same thing if you were, you know, you know, leading on, um, uh, you know, a child, a child, they wouldn't know any better. Because, yeah. well, this, this is my uncle, my auntie, my cousin, my dad, granddad, whatever it is. So they should, like, they should be comfortable in that position. They don't realize that they're being abused. Yeah, think, and, it, you know, and it does happen within family. It happens within, like, the abuser is always um, someone closer. It's not a random. Like, it's either a friend or a family member, um, st- uh, statistically speaking, um, for most of those cases. 
it is someone close to the family that you would trust your kids with that it happened. It's, it's like you were saying, maybe with the kind of coach authority figure, two big cases, I don't know how much you know about this, Chris, but I'm sure you will, Hannah, because it's based around American sports, but Jerry Sanders here at Penn State and then Larry Nassar, yep. the gymnastics doctor, I think he was maybe at Michigan, University of Michigan, I think he was at for a long time, maybe Michigan State was one of the two of them. But he was in position, both of them but in positions of power. Jerry Sandusky ran a charity, like you were saying, Hannah, to get access to young, underprivileged boys. And he would be like, come along, come to Penn State Games, which is one of the biggest collegiate football teams in America. Okay. And he would give them access to the changing rooms and get to see them. Yep. And he, would, and he was literally the raping, raping these children. Um, and again, and then taking them back to the parents and saying, we had a great weekend. Can I take little Jimmy again next week to Penn State? And they're like, wow, cool. Yeah, my kid's getting access to all this cool stuff. And Sandusk is giving out trainers and T-shirts because Penn State sponsored and got all the kit they can hand out. And Larry Nassar again, you know, uh, Simone Biles came out and spoke about the fact that Nassar had, and amongst many other people, but Simone Biles probably the highest profile that I was aware of, certainly. That I was certainly aware of and came out and said, you know what? He abused me under the guise of physical examinations. He was doing internal pelvic examinations on like eight, nine, ten year old girls. Yeah. For, for, oh, but it's because you don't. And he was at, he was asked by the police and the police. And I remember seeing the interview. And he's like, you don't understand how my work goes. You know, I have to put my fingers inside them to work their internal pelvic girdle. You're like, what? no, you fucking don't. don't. Yeah, you want to do that. You don't have to do that. Like, let let's separate the two. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. It's, yeah, I, I watched the Simone Bile thing. Yeah, the, um, what was it? Athlete A, I think on Netflix. Yes. Um, and I re- I do remember the the football. What were you saying that? Was that Mich- Michigan? He was an older coach. Yeah, but, yeah he, was, he was Penn State, Jerry Sanders, under Joe Paterno. That's who it was, okay. And, and like, in, I mean, nine times out of 10, they're helping kids with families who don't have that much money or yeah. resources that can help themselves. So these parents are thinking, oh, you know, these these people are doing a favor. My kid's getting good connections. You know, he's going to this college football team. He's in the locker room getting a real experience. So they think they're doing something good for their kid. And meanwhile, you know, the coach knows well, this is an underprivileged family. Oh, this is perfect. I can abuse him. And if later on I, I can just pay pay the family off. Like it, it and they know, like they they know who to prey on. They know who's weak. They know who comes from a bad family background. They can read that. Like. They're a lot smarter than what people think to, to be able to, you know, maneuver and get away with it for so many years. We spoke to, um, oh my God, I'm terrible with names. The undercover FBI guy. Oh, Bob Hamer. Bob, Bob Hamer. Hamer. Um, okay. he, he had worked with, um, you know, Bob Hamer was a, an undercover FBI guy and he worked with some mafia guys and drug dealers. And, and one of the things he did was um, people who were into, um, abusing children it was called nambla north american man boy association just to give it a nice term for the t-shirts uh, and uh it, it, now he was saying that when, you know when he was speaking to them you know infiltrating their, their organization that they were all very normal and they didn't really see as what they were doing was wrong yeah like so they just get to a point where this is just normal now and you're like what's it's not like what, what the fuck is wrong with you yeah. and this is when i don't believe you know, where people like to talk about, you know, trying to rehabilitate people. I, mean, I don't think you can rehabilitate those people. I think they need to light up against the wall and shot. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because how do you... Yeah, still, I, I, can't, I don't even... I can't even put it into words how that makes me fucking feel. Yeah. And I, I, I don't... I And I think... Um, I just think these this day and age, people, they, like, our emotions and our heart like we don't feel empathy for people as much anymore. So I think people are just like, well, I got to go to my job and, you know, I got my kids and as long as my family's fine, it's okay. But until it affects, you know, their own family, I think a lot of people are just fine with not talking about it or sweeping it under the rug. And I feel like that's why it happens worldwide, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It totally does. I know. I remember seeing, maybe it may well have been around about like 2020 when you were talking about Hannah. Uh, and it was things just about, I think it was to do with like the number of people who had died from COVID. And it was, at, you know, at that point, you know, it was small. And then it was like the amount of children that go missing in America every year. Yeah. And it was like, was it 800,000? Oh, yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. And it's like, what Plus, the fuck? And that's documented. So we don't even know how many are going missing that are kids undocumented. Yeah. You know, we, we like, who knows the actual number? So, yeah, if we're almost to a million, where are they going? And every, I think it's, uh, I'd have to go back on my Instagram, but I posted the statistic. I think it's every, I don't want to uh, put a number, but out of every 10 kids in foster care, you know, a certain amount goes missing. And I believe it, it was close to half. Jesus. Yeah. And they're yeah. never found again. No, no what, traits. So like what, what would be the what would the number be that we're coming across the border? Oh yeah, that's even I mean people yeah, the border, yeah, that's even worse. We don't know where those people are going. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're keeping them in cages like that were made years ago in the 2000s that people think they were made recently. No, this was made I think before Obama a lot of these holding cells or places were, were made. So it's like, yeah, we don't know where they're going. And a lot of them are getting raped. Like, and, and that's out too. So it's just, um, and I think because the, the news and the media is so controlled, you know, people are only seeing bits and pieces. No, no one's actually going in and like, hold on, let me look this up. Let me do some hours of research. It takes time, but it's like, if you want to know the truth, you know, you, you have to like, you have to dig dig deep and understand just how everything's working and it's it's horrible <laughs> yeah, yeah Absolutely it horrible. really is and, it, and, it, yes, it, it does and you would think like foster care is supposed to help kids like that's what we grow up thinking but it's like yeah, it's honestly a, a a and let you know you're lucky if you get a good family that actually cares about you yeah i actually have real life experience of that um I won't name names, obviously, but there was a couple that both me and my wife, Sandy, me and Sandy knew them, and they were foster carers, and they'd taken in three kids, and they were getting £800 per week per kid. So you do the maths on that. So £800, whatever that works out in the dollars. Let's call it $1,000 for argument's sake. Okay. Per, kid, per kid per week. I don't know what the exchange rate is, but just to do a rough calculation. Um, and they were exactly like you were saying. You know, the kids had, and, and I get every parent has, you know, a bedtime. Right. Do you know what I mean? But this was like a level above. And like yeah. one time they, they had one who was, the, the kid was four, four and a half, one of them. And they, they'd been in and out of care from birth. So they had a lot of, you know, what would now be psychological issues. We're going back kind of 10, 10 years or so ago, and even longer than that, actually, 12 years ago, because it was just after Anya was born. Anyway, uh, and the little kid had wet his bed one night and the, the foster dad made the kid stand in a circle here drawn on the ground, bare naked, to teach him a lesson for pissing himself till the kid basically passed out, because it was the middle of the night, until the kid basically passed out, stood out, fell and split his eyebrow. And I know for a fact that the foster dad reported it back to say he tripped over when we were having fun in the garden playing football. And it was on the outside of the eye, so it didn't look like a punch, because it was genuinely falling down and cracked his brow ridge off a set of drawers. So it was yeah. on the outside of the eye, where a lot of kids do get dents and scrapes on their face because they fall over as kids do. But And that was one instance that I knew about, and he told me about it. Uh, and me and Sandy reported it back to the relevant authorities, and nothing happened. And then it happened again with another situation, and we reported it to the school this time. Okay. And literally three days later, social services came in and took all the kids away from them. And he came at me for taking away his income. Came after me physically. I was like, that's cool. I'm quite happy to put the hands up. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'll it's swing, I'll swing back. That's, that's what I'm saying. People are so concerned about paper that's not even like, a, a well, yeah, it's not even a real currency. They'll burn it. Like, more yeah. concerned about that than these kids. And they'll take on six or seven kids at a time for more money. Like, how yeah. can you pay attention to them? <laughs> How are you feeding them? Like, yeah. Well, that's what he was looking to do. He was, he was in the process of trying to buy a bigger house so he'd have three extra bedrooms because he'd worked out. More the ex, Yeah, the extra rent he would pay on the mortgage, whichever way he was doing it, would be more than counterbalanced because he could put two kids per room if they were of the same sex and within a certain age range, you could put two kids in. So he's like, I could get an extra eight kids in times about $1,000. So I'm suddenly making $5,000 a month. <sighs> for caring for these kids 
But as you say, how can, you know, at that level, and if you are just interested in the money, and, you know, there are some wonderful foster families out there, but this sure. is one example that I saw where the guy and the mum were assholes. And yeah. as I see, he physically came after me when we reported, he knew it was us because I told him. Oh, you told him? Yeah, he was like, oh, they've taken the kids off. I was like, good, that's the second time I had to report you, you prick. And he was like, you fucking took all my that. money off Don't me. You. And, and he literally started swinging at me. And I was like, okay, we're going to swing back now. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's fucking insane. What was the um, that story fairly recently? You know, the little kid, and there was there was audio of him on the telly. Oh, and that was the fucking mom, horrific. The mum had like tried to murder the dad, and then the dad had got custody of the kid, and then the dad yeah. is the, the is. It was basically the boyfriend. The, the mum and the boyfriend. So, so the mum and the dad, the biological mum and dad of this week kid split. So the mum got <coughs> a new boyfriend, which a lot of people do, and he had two kids himself. The boyfriend. And he basically, had the, the boyfriend, the mum, and the two other kids basically abused this wee boy to the point of death. And there was, was audio... in California? Was no, no, this was, this was over here. This was here in Britain. Oh. And okay. basically, there was audio released as part of the court footage. And I'm not too ashamed to say it. Fucking, it teared me up listening to it. And they basically starved the wee boy, were feeding him salt, beating him, putting cigarettes out on him making them eat dog feces, like horrific things. And at one point in the video that they showed, and again, I can feel myself choking thinking about it, but the wee boy literally said it was recorded on a CCTV that they had installed to check that none of the kids were sneaking their brother food. That's how fucking sick and twisted these bastards were. And literally the wee boy was stood, he could barely stand up, he hadn't been fed for four days, they reckon, by this point. And he burst into tears and said, why does no one love me? And it's like, how like, like that that's the people in tears you know what i mean like how can you mm -hmm. even like yeah it's, it's just so sad. it's sad and, and that that case sounds really similar i don't know if you heard of i think it's gabriel um was it Hernan or gabriel oh, yeah. on yeah, netflix yeah. as well like and that was a very similar situation they're keeping him in a cupboard uh starving him putting out the cigarette butts on him beating him up and he was going to school and i'm like what what are these schools you know what i mean like what are what are these schools doing like it's just yeah it's I, I don't know and and they were saying that the foster care worker they that it had been reported to the foster care worker a few times and nothing was done so i at this point it's like okay are are the foster care workers just trying to get a check do they really care is there at this you know are, are people's hearts like open right now <laughs> like, yeah yeah, we, we see that a lot over here after cases like that, that the heads of like protective child services or the equivalent will come out and they'll wring their hands and they'll say, lessons will be learned and this won't happen again. And then 18 months down the line, another case comes out. And that being like you said, Hannah, that's the one case that makes it into the public that makes it view. Fun. How yeah. many other are brushed or don't hear about this one makes it out and it's the same, like you said, it's happening in California, it's happening in Britain, it's happening in Scotland. And they come in and they say lessons will be learned and there'll be new safeguards put in place. But then what happens as well is councils make budget cuts. And the first budget that tends to go are things like that. So then, you know, you might have had a, a department of 30 social workers or, you know, foster care workers. And then you cut it to 20, but your workload stays the same. Yep. And then they cut it to 15 and suddenly you've got half as many people doing twice as much work. Yeah, and things slip between the cracks. And again, people then exploit that because they know that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And there probably isn't. I haven't even looked up what the budgets, you know, are in each state for that. But yeah, it's probably not comparable to what we're doing for the, the military, you know, a military no. budget. No. Like, no. so it's just, yeah, it's, it's backwards. And it's the like here, I just feel like it's the whole system is just it's, it's backwards. Like yeah. something needs to change. Um, and we all just sit here and complain 24 seven. So like, what can we actively do to try to, to make a change? And that's kind of what I've been trying to figure out. I'm like, you know what I mean? That's why I started using my platform. So I'm just, just what, yeah. what can we do at this point? Because <laughs> you know, that's happening that's, everywhere. That's the thing. Like, you know, somebody like you who, who's, you know, well known and has a big platform um i feel like people like you can could but then you know maybe it's a risk because maybe sponsors go 
yeah, don't say that because that's not good. You know, it, it seems like it's like like who's who, like surely looking after children could only be described as being good. Like right. stop, surely stop abusing children is something that we could all agree on. Like agree on, right? You know, it's like um, you know, it's, you, you know, it's one of those things. You know, things that things that cause you know men to rape. And it's like you're, you're no, you're a rapist. There's nothing that yeah. causes it. You're fucking yeah. Surely we could all agree on that's oh, a bad thing. A, a skimpy outfit. That's yeah. why he do. No, no, he has no fucking self control. Yeah. Like let's rapist. just say it out that's there. Why he did that? Like <laughs> it's like all the ones like you say when it's like here's a, a short list of how not to be raped, and it's like don't be a rapist. Don't be a rapist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's that simple. We don't need to go any deeper. <laughs> and it feels like you know those things like are, um, like like we should all be able to agree on that. Yeah, like okay, let's don't abuse children. Okay, but like don't rape people. Like, you know, don't be racist. Like, surely yeah. these things should be like, like, like the first things you're writing down on how to not be a dickhead. Right. <laughs> like how how hard could it be? And the fact that you you sort of worry about speaking out about it, it's crazy. like it just seems like I don't even know what to say. Like it's just so insane. Yeah, so insane. Yeah. So, um, but like you said, you you posted about it on your platform starting in twenty twenty, and I saw it because I've followed you for a couple of years now. Um, without want to sound like a weird stopper on Instagram. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I followed you for a couple of years on Insta, and I saw the shit that you were getting off people, and that baffles me as well, because I don't know if it's because you're a woman, I don't know if it's because you're a young woman, I don't know if it's because you're a young, successful woman. Does that make you more of a target that people feel like the internet trolls can be like, yeah, well, fuck you, Hannah, and you're, you know, you're privileged and you throw in the, I, I don't know, but... Why do people come after people for raising it? It makes no sense. I'm expecting us to get shit for posting this episode. Cool, good. Me and Chris will take it all. You cannot you come after Scottish come after people because we will be savage as fuck. Back I, I invite it forward to the comments in the YouTube section. I'm opening this open challenge, internet section, fucking bring it. We'll call you all the cunts in the world. However, for yourself, you did get shit on on social media, which is baffling. That you're yeah. raising a high profile of something that we can all agree is a awful subject. It's an awful thing to be happening. So why do people come after people? Oh, don't you shouldn't be talking about that, Hannah. You just need to be pretty yeah, and run stay, fast. Stay run and track, run sport. Yeah, yeah. Like, stay, okay, stay in I'm... your lane. Stay in your lane. Come left. Stay in your fucking lane. Yeah, yeah. Like what? Yep. I see instantly I would go check that motherfucker's hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, all right, something's up with you, Sarah, because no, yeah. I I and it it did get to me mentally. Like I was really worked up. I feel like I'm better to a point now where if someone were to, were to go on my social media, I have really good self-control. Even if they trigger me, I know not to, you know, not to respond because it's like you're just ignorant. At this point, and I'll let you talk to yourself, I'll block you or I'll delete your comment. Like it's not too hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like now they have the limits. So, you know, that can make it a little easier sometime. But yeah, it really blew my mind because I'm putting out facts. I'm putting out stats. Like I wasn't putting out conspiracy or, you know, this idea or this could be that. No, this is this was articles. This was stuff I researched, numbers you can go find on the internet from legit websites, government websites. And I'm getting backlash for it. And I'm trying to help kids. Like and I, and I think, yeah, the whole point of me trying to do that is because I felt like, you know, in certain situations in my life that bad stuff happened to me and I was abused in certain situations. So why not try to be there for, for somebody and try and help them, you know, save them. And the fact that, yeah, I was getting backlash and people I knew, like it was from people I knew, like growing up running track, telling me, you know, oh, just stick to track. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're at, I just feel like athletes or, you know, celebrities, we all just have a talent that's glorified. But at the end of the day, we're all human and we should all have the same human. Um, what, what would you say? Principles. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And if I feel like I want to speak out against something politically or, you know, child sex trafficking and it's my platform, I should be able to do it. But yeah, I've had people message me, oh, be careful um oh it's not a good look for your sponsor 
uh, yeah, you might want to chill out. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll take my breaks here and there, but I just feel, feel like it's something that has to be, that has to be said. Like one of the and, things that, one of the things that I've figured out over the last couple of years is, um, you know, especially when things were getting a little bit sketchy in um, in Europe, the UK, when they were certainly in, in Scotland, we had uh, like COVID vaccine passports and stuff were coming in. Did they uh, drop that there? Just, or is it still in effect? Just, but it, we still have some restrictions, but the COVID passport got dropped the day after my son turned 18, which he was delighted with because many people at the pubs. Uh, <laughs> so it, it was one of those things where. It started to get a little bit worrying at some point because, you know, there was talk of, you know, not being able to go to supermarkets unless you had a COVID passport. And yep. one of the things that, you know, really got to me was you have to stand up for what's right. So whether that's you can't buy food unless you take this vaccine that you probably don't need or, you know, you know child sex trafficking it's like this is this is wrong like you have to stand up for what you believe in otherwise <clears throat> you know you just go like with the crowd and, and, and if everybody does that nothing happens whereas if everybody yeah. stood up and went you know we shouldn't be fucking abusing children yeah you know and, and I, you know, I don't think you should build you know it's kind of a, a similar kind of thing because i don't think any human being should be able to force another human being to do anything right you know, if you stand up for what's right, for what's right, yeah, I just don't think you can go far wrong. You know, yeah. If people don't like you because of that, fuck them. Fuck them, yeah. No, I mean they do it in they even the yeah. Olympics. You know, they were trying to ban some of the athletes from doing certain protests on the podium and stuff, where they were going to be yeah. kicked out. Why? Because politics is in sports. So if somebody wants to raise their fist on the podium, you should let them. If they want to wear something that's going, you know anti-racism anti-child trafficking whatever let them like we got to this point in our career we got to these platforms and, and this is what we should be able to use for but they they just try to dim those lights i mean kyrie irving like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that man lost millions of dollars because he didn't want to get a vaccine he's on a team playing now still on that team what it, people aren't asking him how are his games going or how he feels about you know his stats or being back with the team they want to know well, what about the vaccine? Like, come on. You know what I mean? The man didn't want to get it. Cool. If Just because some of y'all would go get jabbed up for $200 million to play in a game, that's not everybody. Not everybody can be bought by money. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, like you said, at the end of the day, like, it's just stand up for what's right. And what you feel is right. And nobody should, you know, damn you or criticize you. But once you get to that level, like, people feel like they can say whatever. <laughs> Yeah. And, and it's like in most of them that are saying it, if you were to go say that to their face, they'd probably break down, have a mental breakdown. Or, you know, like they or, can't handle it. Or, or you say it to a couple of angry Scotsmen and they punch you right in the fucking mouth. You guys got more. You guys, you guys, yeah, you guys might be able to do that more over there, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bar fights. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. I'm not, to be fair, we're too old now to be in bars. We're getting old. We're old men these days. But yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, I think that's a, something that um, people are not too comfortable with these days. Yeah. Slightly off topic, but people think they can talk shit about you online. You go, oh cool. I mean, if you talk shit to me, I'm probably going to at least choke out. Like, <laughs> like you can't see. You know what I mean? I think people are not too comfortable with that. Like, uh, uh, you know, I suppose you you would know this. You know, being an athlete and kind of being in the public eye, people think they could just call down your Instagram and see whatever the fuck they want. You go, no, yeah. you can't. They think they know me based off of my Instagram. Like, I don't you post can. three quarters of my life on my Instagram. You uh, you see what I want you to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's just. But, yeah. but how, 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 sorry, Hannah. How many of them do you think would actually see it to your face or if they make you attract me? Do you think? Out of out of my followers, probably five because they yeah. if that if that I don't even think people would say it because a lot of them are troll accounts and that's yeah. another thing I told myself I'm never answering a troll account you're not even man enough to put your face on there your real name I can care less what you have to say 
Yeah. Even, even if it does, you know, trigger me or like get to me a little bit, like, no, nah, I can't let it because you, you're, you can't even show your face. Yeah. Yeah. You get a whole account to go out of your way to, to express your opinion or to put me down for what? No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, to end on a happier note, Hannah, when are we going to see you on an Olympic uh, podium? <laughs> 2024 man i'm telling you i'm 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 uh all right like i know my potential i'm dedicated and i'm not quitting like i will not quit until i get there and uh, this has been my goal and i feel like i i i have everything lined up and i just need to it's a good time for me to focus in you know part of the reason why I did instagram break so put everything together and when you're an olympic medalist we want to speak to you again oh of course i'll, I'll definitely be back <laughs> yeah, I think we've uh, we're probably taking enough of your time now. Yeah, we're about an hour. I think we're probably taking enough of your time. You probably deserve to go and have a little nap and uh, <laughs> chill out, and you probably get a little bit worked up there. So go and relax. Yeah, I know, have, right? I'm like, <laughs> have a nice, have a nice big bubble of bath, and um, yeah, 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 yeah. Keep focused, and um, you know, keep doing what's right. Appreciate what it. Just before we, we finally wrap up, for anyone that does want to find out more about you, I know you said you deactivated your Insta at the moment. Is there anywhere people can follow or find out more about you? But if you do get trolls, send them my way and Chris's way and we'll sort them out for you. We'll fuck them up. We'll sort them out. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yes, my Twitter is uh, Hannah Cunliffe 5 as well as my TikTok, Hannah Cunliffe 5 And then when I reactivate my Instagram, uh, it's Hannah NC5. Beautiful. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, this has been a, a fun, interesting episode. Um, it's nice to get deep into the weeds. It was lovely to speak as well, but we will call episode 78 with Hannah Cunliffe done and dusty. Thanks very much, Hannah. Perfect. Thank you. The Silly Goose Gang Podcast.